As we are continuing this series on the fruit of the Spirit, our focus this morning is on kindness. And our passage today, as you will see in your order of worship, is from Philippians 2, 1 through 4. And I'm reading from the translation, the paraphrase by J.B. Phillips. Listen for God's word to us. Now, if your experience of Christ's encouragement and love means anything to you, if you have known something of the fellowship of his spirit and all that it means in kindness and deep sympathy, do make my best hope for you come true. Live together in harmony. Live together in love as though you had only one mind and one spirit between you. Never act from motives of rivalry or personal vanity, but in humility, think more of each other than you do of yourselves. None of you should think only of his own affairs, but should learn to see things from other people's point of view. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, may your word be enlivened by your spirit. May my words, as they are true to your word, be taken to heart. May my words, as I stray from yours, be soon forgotten. In Jesus' name, amen. As I was talking about this topic of kindness with a group of friends this week, they suggested that I open this message by saying, kindness is overrated. I don't know your reaction to that, but in reading, I learned that well-known theologian, actor Tommy Lee Jones, has said, kindness and politeness are not overrated at all. They are underused. I agree, and I think you would also. But I'd add that a lifestyle of kindness is nigh to impossible without the Holy Spirit. It is God's spirit in us that empowers us to grow, to become more like Jesus, more conformed to the image of Christ, as Paul writes to the Romans. It was Albert Schweitzer, the German medical doctor, founder of the Lamborghini Hospital in Africa, who was truly a theologian, an organist par excellence, and an expert on the composer Bach, who wrote, Constant kindness can accomplish much. As the sun makes the ice melt, kindness causes misunderstanding, mistrust, and hostility to evaporate. As I thought about a consistent, continuing lifestyle of kindness, King David's kindness to the disabled son of his beloved friend of the heart, Jonathan, came to my mind. David was far from perfect, as the children sang. None of us is perfect, but he was quite far. He had many wives. He had raped and impregnated Bathsheba and then had her husband killed. But he repented and is described in the Hebrew scriptures as a man after God's own heart. You may remember this story from First and Second Samuel about the first king of Israel, King Saul, whose son Jonathan... And David, whom God anointed to be king, became dear friends. When Jonathan met David, 1 Samuel says, there was an immediate bond of love between them. But you know, this was not an obvious friendship. 
These guys grew up on two different sides of the track. Jonathan was a prince, a son of King Saul, and the rightful heir to the throne. In great contrast, David was a shepherd boy. But Jonathan was humble enough to have a Christ-like view of his friend. Jonathan didn't see a shepherd boy. He saw a future king. This was David, who defeated the giant Philistine enemy Goliath with his slingshot and five smooth stones. David, who soothed King Saul's mental anguish by playing his harp. This David later became the focus of deranged King Saul's jealousy. And Jonathan and David were friends of the heart. They loved each other as they loved themselves. This is what the great commandment and our vision statement of San Marino Community Church says we are to do. Love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbors as ourselves. But Jonathan saw that it was David's anointing, not his own, to be the future king of Israel. So David sealed his commitment to David. So Jonathan sealed his commitment to David and commissioned David to live out his anointed calling by bestowing on him kingly garments, kingly gifts, his robe, his tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. And Jonathan made a special vow to David to always be his friend. Jonathan then spent much of his life defending his friend before his jealous father. Prince Jonathan even alerted David when King Saul was out to kill David. And they made a vow of mutual friendship that David was, and that David would always care for Jonathan's family. Now Jonathan and his father Saul and many others were killed in a battle at Gilboa. And when news of this came to Jerusalem, the nurse who had the care of Jonathan's five-year-old son, Mephibosheth, you might want to say that too, Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, mm -hmm, that's a tough one. I wouldn't name my child that, but <clears throat> the nurse who was caring for Mephibosheth ran to hide him. And as they ran, they both fell. And Mephibosheth's legs and feet were broken and never healed correctly, and so he was lame for the rest of his life. He lived a frightened and defeated life, expecting that soldiers from the king would find him and take him to the king for execution. But you know, at Jonathan's funeral, King David had declared his deep brotherly love for Jonathan. And after being made king, David remembered his vow and in 2 Samuel 9 asks, Is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Kindness for Jonathan's sake. He was told of this disabled son, Mephibosheth, and sent for him. Mephibosheth was a grown man then with a child of his own and assumed he was going to be taken to Jerusalem to die. So the text says, when Mephibosheth, the son of Joshua, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and David said, Mephibosheth? And he answered, here is your servant. 
So David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show kindness to you for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Then he bowed himself. And Mephibosheth said, What is your servant that you should look about upon him, such as I am like a dead dog? He had such a terrible self-image. And the king called to Saul's servant and said, Now Saul's servant had been thinking he was to inherit all of Saul's uh, goods and lands, and said to him, I have given your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. You shall therefore, and your sons and your servants, and we're told that he had 15 sons and 20 servants. They were a little disappointed that David was doing this. Shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Then the servant said, according to all that you have said we will do. And the king reiterated, as for Mephibosheth, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. David redeemed the life of Mephibosheth. This is a beautiful story of David's kindness because of his love and his promise to his dearest friend, Jonathan. David's care and kindness continued for all of their life, even though at one point this servant tried to betray the son. And Mephibosheth was so loyal and true to the king that nothing could break that relationship. Now Mark Twain, who was not known for his kindness, commented, Kindness is the language with the, which the deaf hear and the blind see. We would also add and empower the lame. Now, you may think that this kind of kindness doesn't really happen in the world today, but I know it does. This kindness is real. Remember, David was anointed to be king by the Holy Spirit. With the, to be The prophets, the priests, and the kings were those that were anointed. This biblical story is very similar to a vow that a young man named Jack Lewis and his university friend, Patrick Moore, made as they entered the army, the British army, in World War I. They covenanted that if one of them were killed, the survivor would care for and provide for the family of the dead soldier. Patrick was killed. Jack, whose real name was Clive Staples Lewis, C.S. Lewis, and much preferred to be called Jack. If your name were Clive Staples, that you'd probably call yourself Jack too. He survived his wound, and beginning in 1919, when he returned from the war to University College Oxford, he cared for and lived with, lived in community, if you will, with Patrick's mother, Janie Moore, Patrick's sister, Maureen, they lived together a short bus ride from Oxford in Headington Quarry. Maureen, the sister, married and moved away. 
But Jack and his alcoholic brother, Moore, uh, Warren, lived with and provided for Janie Moore until she died in 1951, after a decade of a deterioration and increasing dementia. 1919 to 1951. That's a long time to provide that kind of promised kindness. And Janie Moore had become jealous and difficult to live with, not dissimilar to King Saul. In reality, it was only after Mrs. Moore died, and actually Jack, who'd lost his mother at age nine, called Mrs. Moore mother. It was only after Mother Moore died that Jack was really freed to meet his future wife and marry. Basil the Great, who was the Bishop of Caesarea in the 300s, said, a tree is known by its fruit, a person by people by their deeds. A good deed is never lost. The one who sows courtesy reaps friendship. The one who plants kindness gathers love. It seems that in King David's household and the Lewis Moore household, that they did as the apostle exhorted the Christ followers at Philippi and at San Marino to live together in harmony, to live together in love, as though you had only one mind. And later in the text in Philippians, Paul says, it's the mind of Christ. <clears throat> and in one spirit, the Holy Spirit between you. In the case of David's kindness to Mephibosheth, and C.S. Lewis's kindness to the Moore family, these are real tests of kindness because there are, as many of you know, day in, day out stressors whenever we live with someone, but especially stressors and aggravations in dealing with someone who may have a crippling disability or someone with deteriorating dementia. These can try one's patience and one's kindness. I really believe that it's easier to be kind to strangers than those with whom we live and work, those closest relationships that are the ones that we want to love and serve and be kind, but so easily get hooked and react. We really need the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, to grow in us the character of Christ. I know I do. I won't ask you if you do. Micah 6, 8 in uh, the message reads this way. But God, God's already made it plain how to live, what to do, what God is looking for in men and women. It's quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate or kind and loyal in your love. And don't take yourself too seriously Take God seriously. Those are our marching orders, and tall orders they are. You know, it was Diana, the Princess of Wales, who coined the phrase, random act of kindness, when she spoke in 1993 on the topic of care in the community. She closed her speech by saying, perhaps we are too embarrassed to change, too frightened of the consequences of showing that we care. But why not risk it anyway? Begin today. 
carry out a random act of seemingly senseless kindness with no expectation of reward or punishment, safe in the knowledge that one day someone somewhere might do the same for you. And I don't know about you, but random acts of kindness can be fun, I think. Have you ever paid for the toll, not only for your car, but the car that's coming after you? It's so fun to do something that's a positive surprise for people, that blesses them. And hopefully they'll pass it on. It's a chain of blessings. Someone has said that kindness is the, the golden chain that holds societies together. One of C.S. Lewis's most important literary mentors was the Christian novelist, poet, and pastor, George MacDonald. And MacDonald wrote, the first thing a kindness deserves is acceptance. We need to receive it. The second, transmission. We do need to pass it on, as the camp song says. And many among us are doing that. I don't know if you know that our deacons and others are reviving the ministry called Caring Cooks so that there are homemade frozen meals in the church kitchen that may readily help feed a family that is dealing with someone in the hospital, uh, someone who has recently returned home, or is ill or grieving. All may participate. Talk with me or maybe Donna Saldwell later if you'd like to cook or if you need a meal. My women's small group has so appreciated reading and discussing Joyce Rupp's book, Walk in a Relaxed Manner, Life Lessons from the Camino de Santiago de Compostelo. If you saw the film of several years ago by father-son team Martin Sheen, who's a wonderful man of Christian faith, and his son Emilio Estevez, that was called The Way, you have a picture of this French-Spanish pilgrimage. One chapter focuses on kindness of and for strangers, as Joyce, the author, a nun, and her companion priest, Tom, walk the 37 days on the Camino. They experienced other pilgrims as well as local residents, giving them great kindness as they shared uh, just harvested fruit and vegetables, gave helpful directions, and more, even alerting them to when a fountain did, ha did not have pure water. So if they had filled their canteens with it, they would have become very ill. And running after them with their walking stick that had been put down and was uh, left behind. Joyce Rupp re, uh, writes, The kindness of strangers on the Camino became a constant teacher for me. Each opportunity to receive an unexpected gift of care was an occasion to grow in both amazement and awareness of how powerful these simple gestures can be. They not only provide for a need, but they also bring hope to the heart. The Camino also made it easy to be totally present to the kindness of others because life was uncomplicated and the days were basically unencumbered. I was much more attuned to the times when help was given to me. Back home now, 
in much busier schedule, I need to make an effort to be alert to daily kindnesses and not just ignorant or brush them off when they occur. When I am totally engaged in my activities, my work, my shoppings, my schedule, my life, how easily I ignore the goodness extended to me by another. I can distractedly dismiss someone's opening the door for me or giving the gift of a smile. I too easily read hurriedly through gracious notes received or half listen to a phone call bringing me a message of support. How much each of us misses when we overfocus on life's busyness. Many times the kindness is there. We only need to receive it with awareness. A simple gift of concern may be just what we need on weary days. It lifts our spirit when we are consumed with activity, gives us hope in our discouragement, reminds us someone loves us when we feel ragged and torn inside, and helps restore our belief in the goodness of others and God. The kindness extended to us by strangers takes us into the larger circle of life. We become conscious of those we meet every day as our companions on the pilgrimage of life. Their caring gestures unite us at a deeper level. What a gift of of helpfulness is extended to us when a gift is extended. It reminds us that the human heart can be a reservoir of love. When kindness is received with awareness, we enter into the reality of being one great family of humanity. Each of us is called to give and to receive this precious gift that brings light to the darkest places and soothes the greatest sorrows. And so we're all on this journey, a pilgrimage of life, if you will, allowing the Holy Spirit to grow the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. As young Anne Frank wrote, how lovely to think that no one need wait a moment. We can start now, start slowly changing the world. How lovely that everyone great and small can make a contribution toward introducing justice straight away. And you can always, always give something, even if it is only kindness. There's a Scottish singer, activist, and philanthropist named Annie Lennox, and she has written this. Ask yourself, have you been kind today? Make kindness your modus operandi and change your world. Let us pray. Lord, we do pray to be open to your spirit that the fruit of kindness may grow in us so that we will act randomly and regularly in kindness, even as we open ourselves to your spirit's ministry in us, as we receive the kind gift of the bread and the cup given by you for our strengthening, our growth, our kindness to others. In Jesus' name, amen.